Welcome to Beyond the Microphone, a podcast about podcasters and the stories of how their shows came together, grew, and what they discovered along the way. I'm your host, Adam Burrill. Before we get into our interview today, I want to talk a little bit more about AI, um, something I've spoken previously about on this show, but something really interesting came up yesterday, and I think it really kind of speaks to where we're at right now overall with AI. I mean, we're all fascinated by ChatGPT, and um, in fact, many of us are using it in our jobs. In one way or another, um, it, it really is a useful tool. And so I get an email from a friend yesterday, and he's like, you know, check this out. And so he sent me basically it was a video of a lady just kind of reading for like five minutes. She's just kind of talking on some subject. And then they basically used AI to take her voice and train an AI model, um, which then they, they, you know, whoever put this together, they typed out a script and their AI tool basically read, it used like an overdub feature or voice generation feature um, to basically read the script that they wrote with that lady from the video's voice trained in the AI model. And, um, you know, I, you could tell a little bit that it didn't seem like the way she was using or saying some words that it wasn't like normal, like colloquial English. Um, I can't remember the example of that, but uh, you could tell a little bit, like you wouldn't be able to tell it's AI, but you could tell, hmm, maybe this, maybe English isn't like a first language for her or whatever. I mean, she didn't have an accent, but just the way she kind of read off some words was very much like a computer would. Um, but the, I mean, I was really surprised by the inflection, the pauses, the kind of like, you know, saying something and then kind of like waiting for emotional impact. So um, it's a little like, to be honest, it was a little frightening for me to hear that. I mean, there's a lot to be figured out with AI. Um, there's a lot as a society that we need to figure out. Example, the, one of the classic examples right now is like the education system and students be, being able to like a lot more easily plagiarize stuff than when I was in school. So it's not fair. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it's, a, it's a real big concern and, and that's only one of the many concerns. I mean, so when it comes to like being able to deep fake a dialogue, a monologue, if you will, by just typing in a script and having AI read it off to you as somebody else's voice. Um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely very concerned about the deep fake, um, you know, the ability to deep fake people saying things that they never said or, or whatever. So obviously that's something that needs to get figured out. And I also, you know, I mean, in terms of like my friend who sent me, you know, this, this content last night, you know, he, it was, the content was put together by, you know, four podcasters for kind of this idea of being able to like write scripts and you don't have to record interviews anymore. You just have the AI do it. And I'm like, you know, there's so much that humans are going to be able to um, offer in a podcast that I don't think AI is going to be able to do. And, you know, it's a fascinating conversation. I mean, I, it just brings up so many things that we have to solve as a society. AI is not going away, people. It's literally going to, you know, invade so many things that we do. But if we do it intelligently, I mean, we can have AI work for us rather than, you know, all the, you know, the scary side of what AI, the potential for AI could do. And 
I'm not I'm not alone in saying that. I mean, the leaders of Google and Bing and and OpenAI have recently gotten together to pen an article and then sign it together against the the potential negative, um, harmful ways in which AI can be utilized, and they are united against, or you know, they're united in trying to solve the problems that AI presents. So. I do think it's great when it comes to like limited use. For example, we use Descript to edit these, you know, podcast episodes and they have an overdub feature where if I want to replace a couple of words, I mean, I did train my voice on it. I went through Descript's exercise to train your voice. So I can use the overdub feature. I don't have to re-record sections if I if I completely screwed up my words, which happens. Um, and so in, in the limited use, I think AI is great, especially for podcasting and many different industries. But when it comes to really taking over stuff that is better suited for humans, anything related to like human emotion, human connection, I really don't want AI invading those places. Um, but it's a fascinating conversation nonetheless. So with that, let's get into our interview today. Um, Today, my guest is Elizabeth Gar. She is the host of the podcast, What It's Like to... Dot, 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 a podcast that lets you vicariously experience intriguing things that you may never get a chance to do. You can learn what it's like to summit Mount Everest, attend the Academy Awards, and be a professional baseball player. What It's Like to has a listen score of 32 and is ranked in the top 5%. So well done, Elizabeth, and welcome to Beyond the Microphone. Thanks, Adam. So happy to be here. And that's a fascinating uh, topic you were starting with, because I also thought, well, podcasting and this type of thing is, you know, isn't going to be taken over by AI because this is human interaction. This is conversation. This is emotion and thought. And then you bring up something like that. And I thought, oh, my gosh, even we're going to get replaced. (laughs) I guess all of us will at some point get replaced. I mean, um, what what are we all going to be at a beach one day and just, you know, just having a Mai Tai in our hand and, you know, I guess that's the positive outlook on it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's fascinating because there's a lot that AI is like really, really great for um, and, and sophisticated. And I mean, I even, you know, I play guitar here and there, but I'm a terrible songwriter and I went into chat GPT. I said, Hey, write me a song, kind of here's some, here's the chord structure and, the progression yeah. and kind of the theme for some lyrics and it generated a whole song and I'm in, you know, it's, I could do something like, all right, well, I don't want the chorus to be in B let's change it to E or so it, it's like got this iterative um, back and forth. So it's, you know, it, it's wild to think that it's really only been here for what a year, a couple years, chat GPT. Yeah. And, and I kinda... also heard like for travel plans, some people are using it to say, I'd like a beach, but in a not that populated area. And I'd like to spend this much a day and ha- yeah. eat at these types of restaurants. And it'll give you a whole itinerary. So things like yeah. that I had never even thought about. So, And, you know, can- it can, you know, when it comes to content creation, it's fascinating. Like, I think that's a yeah. great use for it. Like, I mean, this, you know, could be, you know, a, I guess a good argument either way. But like blog content generation so would you be interested in reading an article that was written by AI? I mean, I've kind of gone through an exercise where I know for myself, like, yeah, like, I mean, if it's like offering insightful information, why not? It doesn't matter at that point if it's a human written article or an AI one. I mean, if somebody, if the article is about like, you know, 
some sort of human experience thing, then yeah, maybe not. But uh, something was fascinating. Uh, about a month ago, I actually um, I went into ChatGPT and I said, hey, write me an article I can use on, on my website about the ways in which AI can be utilized in the podcasting industry. And I want it to be about 1,500 words. And it generated a really thoughtful piece. And so I, I published that on my blog. And I, I said, like, this is written by AI. I didn't write a word of this. Um, more for just kind of striking a dialogue. And I actually went on to Facebook onto some community Facebook uh, podcasting group. And yeah. I kind of put that question out there. I'm like, hey, this article was written by AI. Check it out. Like, let's, you know, what do you guys think? And it started a really, really fascinating conversation. There were people that like were up in arms about it, like, no way, I don't like AI. And other people were like, yeah, it's cool. Like, it really saves me a lot of time. And obviously, you know, I think somewhere in the middle is obviously probably going to be, you know, where people are going to feel comfortable with AI. Because, yeah, like, we don't want it replacing jobs. Yeah. Um, we don't want students cheating on their homework assignments, but why discount it all together so the interesting thing is that this facebook group actually took down my article they thought it was self-promotional but uh it well i think what's interesting is you sparked in you sparked human connection by putting that up there you sparked right. people thinking and talking and dialogue which is kind of an interesting you know side benefit to the whole thing yeah and we have to have so, these conversations about it but yeah. anyway let's let's get into you here today and i'm okay you now definitely want to you know find out what your journey's been like so you know here on beyond the microphone i think you know one of the things that is most fascinating to me are the stories behind how podcasters get into the space um i myself you know kind of have a story that that put me into this podcasting world. I never thought I would be doing what I'm doing today. And so I have a story and, and so many people get into it with like passion and purpose and, and there is often a story to tell. So yeah, tell us about your background and ultimately, you know, what led into you getting into the podcasting space? My stories. Yeah, everyone does have interesting stories. Uh, well, I my professional background is in journalism. I used to be a print journalist and then a TV journalist. I worked in local news and um, in production for uh, PBS and E Entertainment and a bunch of um, you know networks and that sort of thing. And so then I worked in documentary film, and so I kind of have a bunch of like production writing all that back in my background. And then I took a lot of time off and I was a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. And a couple years ago, I thought, I really want to get back into something professional. But I live in um, San Francisco Bay Area. Mm -hmm. I've lived in LA and New York. And I thought, I can't really get back into TV or film work as much here. And so what can I do that uses a lot of my interests and passions um, from, the from the past? So what do I really like doing? And I thought, well, I love interviewing people. I love researching. I love editing. Mm -hmm. I do love visual too, which of course some podcasting now is doing more with YouTube and all of that. But at the time when I was thinking of this, I hadn't thought of the of that stuff. And so I thought, well, maybe I can use all that in podcasting. And so I came in pretty naive, quite frankly, because I thought, well, I know how to do quite a bit of this. I, I need to learn some. 
So I took a podcasting course, an extension course through Stanford. Mm -hmm. It was the pandemic, so it was an online thing. Yeah. And I learned uh, some more, but I came in a little bit blind. Like I knew what I knew, and then I realized as I got into it, there's so much that I don't know. Mm. And I'm still in that zone. Like I feel like every week there's more of, oh, and I don't know this, and I don't know that. And in a way, I think that that naivete was kind of a blessing because maybe anytime you start something new, it's good to... If you knew everything, maybe you'd never start something new because right. it's too much. It could be a little overwhelming. <laughs> everything you don't know could stop right. you from starting. Well, a lot of people get, um, you know, kind of like a, this chasing perfection or imposter syndrome type of yep. thing that, that comes to play into it where it's like, you know, until I have this concept nailed down perfectly and I, I feel completely comfortable doing interviews and stuff like that, I'm just not going to do it. Right. And so... Um, yeah, like even for myself, I mean, I, I kind of, you know, I listened to a lot of podcasts. So when I knew that I wanted to start one, I, I went to one that I, I mean, how I built this with Guy Raz and I love that yeah. podcast. And I'm like, well, he's got kind of a cool format at least. I mean, I don't do really any narration and, you know, this beyond the microphone maybe doesn't align with that format as much as my former podcast, the change where, you know, you kind of lead in with a hook some sort of a quote from the guest and, um, you know, just how the episodes are utilizing background music and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I think just kind of launching into it with some semblance of an idea and some semblance for how to get it done. Like that's all you need really. Like don't overthink it. Like if you want to get into this work, it's, you know, the, the entry into becoming a podcast host is, is a lot easier than I think a lot of people kind of think you know, it, it, it can be, or it should be. But then I, I think the continuity of it is the hard part because you have to think about what, um, how you're going to be able to keep your cadence up because like what I made my episode in my little, um, class, my podcast class, Mm -hmm. very, I remember some of my co my student, my what co-students, my fellow students saying, oh, it's very NPR-ish because of course that's, those, are, those are the ones that yeah. I listen to too. And I have put so much production into it. I spent so much time on this like 14 minute piece with music and all sorts of splicing in and, you know, um, narration and interviews and all this. And I thought there's no way I can personally produce a piece like this on a weekly or yeah. twice monthly basis. This is it's just little old me. I don't have a team of producers around me. Exactly. So you kind of have to think of what, how many people you have working on this thing and what is actually possible to put out. And so I thought I have to scale this back or just do a different thing. Like I do have an interview show because that's much more possible can't do all of this multi-leveled production kind of stuff. Um, and so um, and so at times, like right now, I'm releasing every other week because I have a lot of other stuff going on in my life. And, yeah. you know, at times I was doing it every, every week. And you just kind of have to figure out how much you can handle. And like a big part for me that is still remains a challenge is just the marketing and promotion of the thing. Because yeah. I don't have any business background. I'm like a creative person. <laughs> and so that whole part just is like this beast to me out there of like, how do I tackle this? And and so trying to always get on top of that part of it and figure stuff out and try new things out always just feels like I just want to kind of do the product. So that, you know, I, I just feel like there's so many elements you could be doing at all times and you have to figure out, you have to prioritize what you want to spend time on. 
there, fellow podcasters. This is Tori Barker of the Creative Visionaries Podcast, and I'm excited to introduce you to Podtask, the all-in-one platform designed to streamline your workflow and take your show to the next level. If you're tired of feeling overwhelmed by the tasks required to manage your podcast, then check out Podtask, where you can easily streamline your podcasting process and simplify your workflow. Say goodbye to the stress of managing multiple tasks and deadlines, and hello to a more efficient and productive podcasting experience. And it doesn't just stop there. Podtask also offers AI-based marketing tools that give your podcast a competitive edge. As a fellow podcaster, I know from experience how important it is to have a reliable and efficient tool like Podtask to keep you on track. It helps save me so much time in post-production, which allows me to focus on what really matters, creating great content for my listeners. So if you're ready to take your podcast to the next level, head over to podcast.com and sign up for a free forever plan and get started today. I couldn't agree more. I mean, that I've actually spoken about that um, quite a few times on this podcast, the business of being a podcaster. And, yes. you know, I'll share with you the, the story that I shared before, which is, so I just mentioned I used to have a podcast called The Change. Uh-huh. I was publishing biweekly. Okay, so that's that's a manageable workload. It's just twice mm-hmm. a month. Um, you know, but one of the things I, I knew I wanted to set out to achieve was building like enough of a backlog of episodes where if I needed to take four weeks off, I, I could do so and I'm not missing my my cadence on my release yes. schedule. Um, but a lot of people that I, you know, because it was a podcast about um, mental health in the workplace specifically and kind of this work-life balance, burnout, anxiety, that sort of thing that we experience in our professional lives. And I interviewed quite a few different authors. And so I'd, I'd want to read their books, right? And so that's that's pretty time-consuming. And we were doing, we were kind of going after a high production value when it comes to the use of background music, pauses, um, mid-roll promos, and, and so on and so forth. And also that we were... Well, I did have a sound engineer, but a lot of our editing style was really by hand. I mean, an example of which is, you know, one of our steps with one of the podcasts I produce was, you know, we we give them like kind of like a rough cut um, mm-hmm. track and they'll go through and listen to the whole episode and come back with any edits that they recommend. Oh, yeah. So anyway, we it was very time consuming. And of course, what that led into is I got very burned out by it. I mean, if it was the only thing I was doing, it would have been totally doable. But I, I run a IT consulting company with like 20 employees, and I've got two other businesses that I run. So it, it just didn't work out. I wanted to get back into podcasting again. So with Beyond the Microphone, there was a lot of intentionality with um, how I set things up, specifically so it, it's doable um, without really... Doable in a way where I, I knew I was putting the structure in place to to avoid burnout and have fun with it, because that's ultimately what I, I hope to achieve with this. Um, and so, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, the, for people that are just starting out, like maybe the, the, the one of the things I would recommend for two things, actually, is think about what you're putting together, the format, the style, the release schedule and that. And is it all going to be doable for you? In, in your time. Yeah. I mean, are, are there things, there's a lot of software tools now um, and we're sponsored by PodTask, so I'll give a plug out to those guys. But, you know, there's a lot 
a, there are a lot of tools that can help you really manage and streamline things. Um, but then the other thing, like I mentioned a moment ago, is 100% backlog your your interviews. Like record. So I just so today's Wednesday, July 12th. This is when we're recording this. Yesterday, the first episode of Beyond the Microphone actually was published. I've already recorded 22 episodes. So like our, my schedule right now, I can produce into 2024, um, which is a highly recommended way of doing things because yeah, if, that's like I said, awesome. If I'd want it, if I needed to take five, six weeks off, like I'm not missing a beat at all. Yeah. Um, I'll be able to stick to my schedule, but let's get back to what it's like to. So I'm, I'm fascinated now to hear about how this particular premise of a podcast was put together and hmm. how you go about getting your guests and, and all of that stuff. Yeah, I went around and around trying to think of what I should really focus on, because as you can probably tell by what I ended up with, I have a lot of interests. I'm not just someone who was like, oh, I definitely want to do it just on, I remember someone give this example of, you shouldn't do a podcast, you need to be really niche. Don't just do it on food, do it on mangoes. Right. This was in my podcast course. And I thought, oh my gosh, I would get so bored of mangoes. Like after about five episodes, what more could I say on mangoes? And then I'd have this really devoted mango audience. And if I suddenly decided now I want to do something on trampolines, how would my mango people want to follow me? And they'd say, well, they would like you, the post. And I, anyway, I just could not ever find something that was that niche. Yeah. So um, I really am always, I'm a behind the scenes person. I'm the one who always wants to, you know, stay through the credits of the film and, you know, read the author's bio at the back of the book. I always want to know how everything is made. It's kind of like the Guy Raz <laughs> podcast yeah, yeah. too. Right. So it's kind of that concept. So that's how I got to it is like, what is it really like to be that person, do that thing? And so that's how that came about. And I started out getting guests, pretty much just friends and friends of friends. It okay. really got to like people I went to college with, friends of my sister, you know, that kind of thing. And then I started, and I did a little bit the same thing. I batched some episodes before I launched, just to feel better about it. I mean, you not as many as you have, but I just didn't want to feel that stress because I was coming out on a weekly cadence. And I was I just didn't want to suddenly feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm so behind because that's a terrible feeling of now I have no guests, what's going to happen? And that happened a little bit the first year. How am I going to get guests? It doesn't yeah. happen anymore. But that is a really panicky feeling. So I'd rather have more under my belt. Um, and so then it started happening that some people would listen to the show and actually write in and say, oh, hey, cool. I think I know someone who would be good or I might be good. Um, and then I also cold call people. There are times that I've, I just have a master list of general topics that I think would be fascinating. And I'll look for someone who might fit that category. That comes from my journalism background of just I don't mind cold calling people and getting no for an answer or just not even having someone mm -hmm. respond. It takes a lot of time, though. I mean, you, you know, I, I don't have all the time in the world to just write to every I don't know, circus performer. That's nothing that I've tried, but whatever it is and to have no one write back. So it's a little easier. Recently, in the last three months or so, I've gone on these um, kind of matchmaker sites in podcasting yep. that they have of, you know, you're a guest and you're a host and how to find people. Right. And that has been 
pretty successful, although you have to be pretty picky, I think, because especially for me, I think like there's a lot of people who pitch me themselves or their clients. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, I want specific types of people that are obviously that fit my niche. So I have to really sort through. Let me ask you, because this is something that came up. This is a conversation I've had with other podcasters is on that very topic. Like, let's say you you like set up an episode, you book a guest, the guest comes on and they are flat. They're not a public speaker. (laughs) They've never really done it before. And it's just a flat episode. What do you do there? Do you publish still? Um, Because you had the guest come on. Do you, you know, as the producer and publisher, do you, do you say no? I'm just, that one's not going to make it to the final, the final cut. Like, what do you do there? Have you run into that before? You know, I actually haven't, but it is a fear. And I have been, as a guest on podcasts, I have had been pre-interviewed on a few, and this is what they're screening for. I've talked to a few hosts and they say this, you know, sometimes I talk to potential guests and it is an obvious no. You know, like they are, there's no way these people are getting on my podcast. And I think, oh, maybe I should be doing these pre-interviews because I don't. I mean, yeah, I, me I email I them. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like I just have enough going on that I kind of just I research them and I email them and I sort of hope for the best. So I have not run into that. And I guess I'm sort of, you know, at the beginning, you said everyone has stories to tell about how they got their podcast. And I come from the idea too. just everyone in the world has interesting stories to tell. And obviously, some are more entertaining than others. But I think maybe this is also from my news background. I think you can kind of pull out some pretty good stories out of out of pretty much anyone. Yeah, no, so, I, I, I do agree with you. And, um, you know, it's it's our challenge as the host to to draw that out and, and to try to, you know, I, just to remember even that the guest is probably in that moment as uncomfortable as the host might be. And and you can, you know, break the ice that way, if nothing else. Right. So I want to ask actually you think. Oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Please. I was just going to say, I think sometimes what's harder is I've had a couple of people who have clearly been on a lot of podcasts and they sometimes have their own thing they want to say, and they're just going to say it. They're not even going to necessarily answer the question. They're they're just so used to being interviewed that they're just going to almost say their spiel. That's almost harder to interview than the person who is a new interviewee. You know, like you hear about the politician who's going to answer the question they want to answer, not the question they're being asked. And it's yeah, yeah. not quite that, but it's sometimes I remember one person I interviewed and I asked a particular question and he started telling me about his background as a kid. And I particularly didn't want to start there because I didn't think that was the most interesting thing, but I think he was just so used to beginning interviews that way. <laughs> so um, yeah. anyway, I think that that can even be more challenging is an experienced You're completely interviewee. completely right about that. I, I had somebody come on recently and, you know, I mean, for me personally, you know, what I get excited about as a host, but also as a listener is, um, when I can hear like a genuine, you know, human being, like genuine, a genuine conversation, when their authenticity like is is just apparent, you know, and it's yeah. there, and they're being their real selves, and you know, those are the ones that you really, as a host, you don't even have to like at that point when you come across those types of people, it's just such a natural conversation 
um, that I don't even have to look at my, you know, kind of like scripted questions that I've come up with. It's just a great yeah. conversation. And then I've, I had someone come on recently and it's like out of the gates, they, they came on and, and clearly like they went into like podcast guest mode. Yes. Um, and so anyway, I totally know what you're talking about. You know how they say ABR always be rolling. And I, I feel like at the end of the interviews is when I often get the most interesting stuff. It's like the person is kind of lets down a little and then starts to just, I don't know, relax and tell yeah. some more interesting stuff. And sometimes I move that stuff to the top of the interview or top of the episode because it's just so much more genuine than yeah. what they start saying. Here's something that was interesting because like for I used to be a wedding photographer and, you know, we like my style is I always wanted genuine. I I guess I was more of kind of this documentary format type of wedding photographer. And yeah. what I was trying to capture were real moments and real memories. And for probably the first few years, um, I just kind of did my thing. And I, I think I got great photos, but I wasn't necessarily focused on capturing that genuineness. Um, and then I took this workshop um, from a photographer named, I think his name is Jesh Darox. Um, and he had this beloved collective, I think is the name of it, like methodology. Um, and I wonder how much this can apply to like doing interviews where it's, it's more about kind of trust building and relationship, like breaking down the walls. And so he would teach us in this workshop, these just various, like different levels of games that we can play with our couples to get them to be themselves, break down those walls and like level wow. one was kind of like just like funny little games that the couples can play together. And then if they were doing well with that, you could take them to level two, which now you're getting into maybe some like emotional type of stuff. Level three, everybody's crying. The photographer, everybody will be crying. I had a couple, <laughs> I did a couple level threes with some clients and, and all of us were just like, Ooh, like, um, so I wonder how much in podcasting you can kind of maybe find some tips or tricks to to utilize like that, that really help an interview, like people to let down their guard and stuff like that. I'm sure there's, mm -hmm. there's clever ways and, and, you know, tips that people are using, but, uh, yeah. what have been That's some cool. of, you know, in the conversations that you have, like, what are some of your favorite conversations that you remember? Some of the, you know, best memories from your, your interviews that you've had. Well, kind of on that note, what you're saying about the emotional realness. Um, this is one of someone who wrote to me um, and actually is one of the most popular episodes is a woman who talked about her alcoholism and her uh, recovery. Mm -hmm. And that was something initially I thought, I don't know if that really fits into my categories of, but anyway, I interviewed her and she was incredible because she was so raw and um, she hadn't really told her story much before. She just decided, she had told it, I guess, locally to maybe a small group. But she was just in this mode of, you know what, I'm ready. This is important for me as a step in my recovery. I want to be very open about this. And I wonder if I can help anyone else. So she was not kind of a practiced, like, AAA person. I'm out here to you. She yeah. was, it was a very um, personal moment for her to speak publicly about this. And she was just so... Um, it was so touching to me how, how um, I don't know, how revealing she decided to be. And I, I really I remember at one point I just said something like, I feel for that little, for that teenager, you know, in you. And for, she was, 
I felt I just felt I'd never met her, but I suddenly felt so close to her after after about 10 minutes of talking to her because she was being so raw. And it was just felt like a kind of a special connection with somebody I had never met because she was opening herself up. And yeah. I think that because of the response the episode then got, I was like, clearly listeners felt that too. Because I don't think in general people would say, oh, let me listen to something about a recovering alcoholic. But she really did something there. So what she did was make herself vulnerable. And yep. it's a scary place. And um, you know something I think that's worth mentioning is you know what what sells in photography and uh, in, in podcasting like what what are what are some themes that keep an audience engaged and wanting to come back for more in my opinion it's emotional connectedness it's um hearing vulnerable authentic stories um you know that those episodes will always sell themselves, I think, because and this speaks to what I believe podcast like why I think podcasting is such an awesome and unique communication medium um, mm -hmm. is when you're a listener and you know you're in your car, you got your headphones on, you're jogging, whatever it may be, once like a lot of these storytelling podcasts i I love those for me as a listener. Those are my favorite, like the moth. And I've heard so many moth storytellers share these extremely vulnerable stories. And as a listener, I feel like I'm in like a room alone with them. And, you know, I could feel the emotion of, of them recounting like an event that happened. Like I could feel that. And I think that's so cool with podcasting, right? That we can, that there's this format that, you know, really in a day and age where so many of us are working remote and, and we don't, you know, there's been somewhat of an erosion of like actual human contact. Like podcasting has become, for me at least, like a, it kind of supplements some of that human connection. I Even though I'm not like directly face-to-face -face with somebody, like as a listener, I get brought in. I get brought into the story as if I'm yeah. right there in that room when that event is happening. And I think, you know, that's so amazing about podcasting. Like what's your... Yeah, and I think part of that is because it's just audio. As much as I love video and have video background, when you're talking about like the moth and these personal stories, when it's when you're just hearing it, that level of personal connection somehow is heightened beyond just seeing it. Because when you're seeing it also, I think we're layering on a lot of extra things. Maybe we're putting on uh, uh, unsuspecting judgments or uh, there's just a lot more going on. Um, but when it's just that audio, it's, it's so intimate. And so when people are being vulnerable and giving these personal stories, it feels close and... The, you know, I feel like the intimacy is heightened because of that. So I, yeah, I love how you said that because I, I agree. I think there's something really special about the audio only podcast world. Yeah. And my thought to that is when it's audio only, it's much like reading a book where there's so much that is happening in your imagination. Like you're trying to, you know, kind of like Imagine the room they were in when some thing yeah. was taking place and, you know, imagining what they look like and people's reactions. And so I think you're right. I, I do think that these, those audio formats 
you know, lend more to the emotional receptiveness of, mm-hmm. of the particular story or interview or whatever it may be. But um, I wanted to ask you, and you've already mentioned some of these, but if you can kind of elaborate more on what have been some of the highlights and challenges for you in your podcasting journey. I mean, it could be anything technical, guest related, whatever. Um, what are mm-hmm. some of the highlights and challenges that you can share with us? Um, the highlights, what I guess first came to mind is I really like connecting with all these different people. You know, even just, I mean, I'm not trying to, whatever they say, butter your bread or something, but like just talking to you, I just feel like, wow, I'm talking to this really interesting person today that half an hour ago I didn't even know. And I feel like that every time I interview someone or I'm interviewed by somebody, it's just like, this is such a cool medium for me that I've gotten to meet and have interesting conversations with this wide variety of people every time, even if I'm feeling I'm getting ready for an interview and I'm feeling maybe a little overwhelmed. Do I know what I'm going to say to this person or something? And then I get into it and I'm like, this is the best. I just love this. Um, And so I I come out super energized every time. Like what a blessing, you know, that I get to just interact with these really interesting people. Yeah, it it really is a gift. Um, And that was something that was, I don't know, I guess somewhat unexpected for me just... um, and you could probably say the same thing, but like almost after every single interview, I'm like, let's stay in touch. Let's talk more, yeah. you know, and like, yeah, you know, totally. wanting to be like BFFs. And New stuff best like friends. That. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, and and that's because I think, you know, we're having a conversation that, you know, sometimes things come up and, and they're, you know, we're sharing with each other and, you know, the, the, the ideal and I think what we're all trying to achieve at the end of the day is trying to help somebody in one way or another. And so we all have that mm-hmm. mission behind us, whether it's helping somebody in mental health, help, helping somebody like enter into the podcasting space, help helping to, you know, somebody being able to relate to a dream they've had, like wanting to be a baseball player. Um, so, de- you know, when yeah. I read your uh, description and you mentioned about, you know, hey, you can see what it's like to be a baseball player. Like I definitely clued into that. And I wanted to ask you. Have you had a baseball player um, on the podcast or what, what, I guess, give me the story yes. behind that um, statement you made in your premise. I did. I had um, a guy and the, how I got him is he's the son of a friend of my husband's and he's a professional baseball player. When I booked him, he was in the majors. And then by the time we interviewed him, he had been demoted to the minors. Mm. So, um, I think he's still in the minors. He had an injury, but um, he played many years in the majors. What, and what was he, the episode, or, or they, you know, working? It's, so it's a two-parter. Name? I think it was his name is Joe Biagini, and okay. he um, it, he he was so good. And talk about being vulnerable. He is completely out there and vulnerable about all the struggles he has, the self-doubt he has had, which he thinks is the reason that like has plagued. He hasn't mm. has admit had he has not had as much success as he could have is because of his own self-doubt. I mean, he is really, I I could not cut it down to one episode. So it's a two-parter. I believe it ran last summer. Um, And I interviewed him from a hotel room in like Buffalo or something. I I think that's where he was at the time. And he's really funny and self-deprecating. He was just a total delight. And again, one of these people that I was like, oh, can I just stay in touch? You're such a sweet guy. He was like 30 or something. 
so that yeah so that's that's how I um, got in touch with him but and I also realized I didn't answer part of your earlier question about some of the challenges do you mm -hmm. want me to circle back to that yes, <laughs> because please. I would say there have been a few technical challenges but I'm lucky because my husband is kind of technical I know a lot of podcasters I've talked to have said that's their number one thing is uh, but I am not technical but I have somebody who help helps me with that so for me the biggest part is um like I mentioned earlier, just the marketing and the frustration of being like, I'll put a lot into this and then think, I don't know the best way to get the word out about this because I'll read all these articles about like best practices to get word out about your podcast. And there may be like eight things. And it's like, I can't do all of those eight things for each episode. Or yeah. they'll say, do social media. And I'm like, I didn't really, I wasn't even on social media before I started my podcast. So do I spend all this time building up a social media audience and people are like no that's not worth it you should you should do newsletters and you should do facebook you should do promo swaps you should do that you know and i'm like okay you should get yourself in your local newspapers you know? i'm like right. it all sounds great but there's only 24 hours in the day and i'm not going to spend every minute of the day promoting my podcast and so trying to decide which of these avenues to go down and that feels overwhelming to me. And so I sometimes just feel like I put up the white flag and go, let me just make my episode. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, and I kind of give up. So I, I think like the tough. confusion, because yeah, you see it, there's so much online, you know, when, when you start looking into like all the content that's out there, they're going to tell you 500 different things, right? Yeah. Um, I think that yeah, there's some recipes that may work for one podcast, but they're not going to work for another or another type of podcaster. I mean, I'm a Gen Xer, and it's funny because I work in technology, but like I had to go to my older kids and be like, guys, help me out with TikTok. I don't even know what to do here. Yeah. Like, every time I go into TikTok, it thinks I'm some middle-aged perverted man, right? And <laughs> trust me, I'm not searching for stuff. I, in fact, it like kind of turned me off of it, so I, I stopped using it. Um, but you know, now it's like, oh, everybody, you know, as a podcaster, you got to be making sure you're doing as much as you can with short form video and TikTok yeah. needs to be a part of it. So, so like the other day I posted my first TikTok video. I'm like, I don't even know who's going to find this. I mean, I guess some people yeah. have been commenting on it. So, um, but it's interesting. That's like, good. and yeah. I think, I think the answer is really, you know, what, what works for you as a person, what works for you as a host and, and what fits into your your podcast structure, but what would you say to us would be, you know, in your experience for your podcast, can you point to like maybe one like best advice that you could give to our audience here in terms of growing and really, you know, getting your podcast out there and and doing it in a way where you, you can see that your audience is growing because of this thing that you're doing. Is there some is there some like silver bullet that you can uh, that works for you that you can advise our audience here today? Boy, I wish. I don't think so. I think it's just been kind of slow and steady. I have not seen a silver bullet yet. I think it's just staying with it is my only non-silver my my tarnished bullet <laughs> it's just not going away <laughs> my consistent bullet you, you actually <laughs> said something pretty this is this is actually pretty profound <laughs> advice and and i'm gonna i'm gonna summarize it for you if i may yeah it sounds like what you're recommending is patience 
And I do yes. highly agree with that because it does take a long time. You know, you're not going to drop a new podcast and all of a sudden you're going to be at 10,000 downloads per month. Like no. it takes a long time and you know, it, it you might get to a point where you start to get disappointed by the numbers that you're seeing and like question like do I keep going or not? But patience as you just kind of described I think is such a profound and, and valuable tool as a podcaster because it somebody, I think it was maybe Alex Sanfilippo or somebody that I interviewed here said it takes about, two, yeah, I think it was Alex. It, it takes about two years. When you get to that two year mark with your podcast, that's when you actually start to see a lot of things start to kind of, you know, all that momentum that you've been building over the two years really starts to, you know, you can actually start to witness it a lot, a lot more at that point. What, what would you say to that? Probably. I'm not there yet. I'm not at two years. So, but I've heard that as well. I've heard about two years and sometimes even like the five or six years until you really start to see, you know, being able to monetize unless you're like a celebrity or have some major breakthrough. But so, I mean, patience is definitely the watchword. And so behind that, you need to have a topic you really like, you know, choose your topic wisely. And then like you had referenced earlier, get a schedule that works for you, get people around you that can, you know, be able to sustain this because otherwise you're just going to burn out pretty quickly and fast. And yeah, uh, it's, um, it's going to be hard to keep going when you're not seeing those numbers. It's not, it's not just a, a rising, you know, um, diagonal line like you're hoping. I mean, what's interesting for me, because mine is kind of evergreen, all my episodes you could listen to anytime. They're not topical. Mm-hmm. So I'll get my reports. And sometimes episodes will have a lot of downloads that I I released, you know, 16 months ago or something. Okay, and I'll think like, oh, why did people like that one this week? But people just kind of go through the catalog and whatever interests them. Yeah. So I guess I'm kind of lucky that way because it's not I'm not like on politics or something that's right. That's timely you know, or whatever. Timely. All right. Well, as we come to a close here today, um, I always wrap with these same two questions. And so it's they're on the theme of discoveries. And so the first question is in your podcasting journey. And I know you've probably spoken about a, a number of discoveries that you've already you've already discussed them here. But are there any others that you want to highlight discoveries you've made in your podcasting journey, just about podcasting, just the business of being a podcaster? I think um, to be open to change in yourself and be open to the challenges. Because like I said earlier, I, I felt like I knew some, and I knew there was some that I didn't know, but I also made a little mental note that part of the reason I wanted to start this was because I wanted a challenge. And so I often have to go back and remind myself that because when challenges come up, that's actually part of the reason I did this. If I wanted to do something easy, I would have done something I already know how to do and just stayed in my lane. But this is part of the fun is the challenge or the challenge is part of the fun. (laughs) It goes both ways. And so I think that you have to kind of remind yourself, come up with little mantras like that, because when the, um, tough days come or the the little um, friction comes, that's all part of the journey. Yeah, I love that. Um, all right, so final question again on this theme of discovery. 
and you've mentioned a few already, but you know what? Hold on one second. Mm -hmm. Forgot to put my do not disturb on. Okay. <laughs> what are some of the personal discoveries that you've made in your podcasting experience that where you perhaps learned something about yourself that you didn't know before? <laughs> there have actually been quite a lot. That's a really insightful question. Um, I'll try to make this short. I realized that um, I have a lot of confidence in some ways, but I realized deep down I have had a lot of self-doubt. And doing this podcast, I've had to confront that quite a bit because the self-doubt will rise up at during the challenging times. And I'll think, oh, I, I can't do this or this is not going to happen or this. And I have to overcome that and say, of course I can. I have this intelligence or this background or I can figure this out. And so I've had to confront my that little voice in my head many, many times and just sort of tamp it down. So I've learned about that because I think often I have, I have been staying in the safe lane. I haven't challenged myself in this way for a while. And so by taking myself, you know, into this uh, zone, um, this voice comes up more. So it's been interesting, but kind of exciting. You know, I've grown a mm -hmm. lot through it. I love that. Oh, that's great. Well, that's a great way to close for today. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to, to meet you and to get to speak with you and very excited to hear about what you're doing in your podcasting journey. So thank you so much. Thanks so much. Great questions. It's been really fun to talk to you. Thank you. Elizabeth Gar graduated with honors from Harvard College with a degree in history and literature and promptly attended professional cooking school to become a food writer. She's worked on the television Food Network, PBS, and E, and she earned a graduate degree in documentary film and video from Stanford University and currently hosts the What It's Like to Podcast. Beyond the Microphone is sponsored by Podtask. Whether you're just starting out in podcasting or you've been at this a while and are looking to save time so you can focus on creating amazing content for your listeners, go check out Podtask, a podcast management and marketing platform designed by podcasters or podcasters. With Podtask's automated workflow and AI-based marketing tools, you'll save time and sanity and be better equipped to grow your podcasts. If you're enjoying Beyond the Microphone, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, as well as to our YouTube channel. You can find all of the links for these in our episode show notes. Finally, are you stuck trying to take your podcast to the next level? Do you need help with marketing or post-production? At EIQ Media Group, we offer podcast coaching, production, editing, and marketing support. Head on over to www.eiqmediallc.com to learn more. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time on Beyond the Microphone. Beyond the Microphone is produced and distributed by EIQ Media Group, LLC. Elevate your emotional IQ with podcasts and content focused on entrepreneurship, overcoming adversity, stories of emotional courage, women's health, aging, and more.